boy, I, I don't know if I haven't heard that song we just sang very much, but aren't you looking forward to the day when this age of endless death is done? Holy cow. I, I saw that and I was just hearing you sing and that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Someday, the age of death will be done and we will be singing praises to God forever. We will be worshiping, worshiping Him with glorified bodies and hopefully that should make us want to say amen. Praise the Lord. May that happen quickly, right? So are you in Philippians chapter 4? you all there? All right. Well, uh, I'm excited because we're getting to the end of this letter, and uh, it, it, it means that we're starting to get to a point, whenever Paul wrote his letters, when he gets to the end, I'm just the kind of person who, when people start to say final words, I start to sit up in my chair and listen. When we hear things that are maybe the last things that people say, when we get to the end of letters or we get to the end of cards or love letters that we've gotten from people, they start to just very quickly start to just say important things at the very end. And we're starting to see this in this letter. And so I've titled this message, Strife or Contentment. It's not going to be an easy sermon in some ways. It's a very familiar passage. But as we look at the life of Paul and this letter to these believers in Philippi and where Paul was when he wrote this letter, he was in prison. I think Paul is going to present his readers with the result of his own experiences in life. And I think he invites them to recalibrate, to refocus, and to re-examine their lives and their hearts. They have an opportunity to live the rest of their lives in strife or contentment. But before we jump in, let's remind ourselves of where we've been. I was kind of going through this with Amanda in the office, and I think I can do it right around two minutes. You ready? Think we could go through the whole book of Philippians in two minutes? Oh, I know I can. Hold on. Here we go. Let's see here. So, so far, Paul has expressed in this letter his gratefulness for God's work in the Philippian believers' hearts. He's expressed his confidence in God's work in them being completed someday. He's encouraged them to look at life as full of gospel opportunities, no matter what they are, even if they're in prison. He's challenged them to live for Christ. After all, what's the worst thing that could happen if a person did that, right? He exhorted them to live as citizens of heaven, and he's reminded them of Jesus Christ's life and death example of that. He's expressed the priceless value of knowing and being loved by Christ, and he's implored them to consider that pursuit first above everything else. He's confessed his willingness and desire to experience Christ's mighty power in all of his life, including suffering and death. He's testified that he was forgetting the past and looking forward to what lay ahead. He's admitted he hadn't achieved all these things yet, but he was pressing on to possess them. He's called them to imitate and pattern their lives after his and others' examples of walking with Jesus. 
He's proclaimed that he eagerly anticipated the return of Jesus when he will take away our weak mortal bodies and replace them with glorious bodies like his own. He's warned them to stay true to Jesus. He's assured them that he loved them and he longed to see them. He appealed to Iodia and Syntyche to settle their disagreements and rally around the glorious gospel of Jesus. And he's encouraged them to rejoice and be full of joy, to be gracious and considerate with each other, to remember Jesus was coming soon, to avoid worry, to pray about everything, and to express thankfulness to God. And he shared that doing those things would produce a peace that would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He has summarized uh, what kinds of things they should fix their thoughts on, and he's reminded them to keep practicing what they learned and received from his teaching. And so now we're here today in verses 10 through 13, and let's go ahead and see what he says. Verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we come to these verses, and after reading them, we probably have a question. I know I did. Here's the question. Um, how could Paul be so content? What was his secret? How in the world could Paul be so content? What secret did he find out? Well, before we kind of jump into that, let's just kind of look at this word content. It's an interesting word. It means this, uh, content, sufficient for one's self, strong enough or possessing enough to need no aid or support, independent of external circumstances. That's interesting and key. Contented with one's lot, with one's means, though the slenderest. Very interesting. So I was trying to figure out, and I found a, a biblical example of what this means in Psalm 73. Check it out. Thinking about what we just read, what that word means, listen and see if the psalm writer captures that. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. But God remains my strength, the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Wow. I found that and I was like, man, that is a great biblical example of what it means to be content. So let's find the answer to our question, how could Paul be so content? Well, the first thing I see, now it's not the most important thing, but I think it's an important thing or an influential thing. I think it had uh, an impact on Paul's life. Here's the first thing. It's this. How could Paul be so content? Paul had faithful partners. Verse 10. Let's look at it and see. 
I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that at now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. What, what is he saying here? What he's saying here is the Philippian believers had been faithful gospel partners. He kind of opens the letter talking about that. Man, I'm so thankful for what God's been doing in you. I'm so thankful for how you've partnered with me. He's just so excited. And there was a period of time we get the idea that they, were, they sent him gifts, they sent him offerings, they sent him aid. But then something happened and they weren't able to. There was a period of time, there was a season when they loved Paul. They wanted to encourage him, they wanted to help him, but they couldn't, right? They weren't able. We don't know why, we just know that it happened. But then after another season, after that, that season of barrenness maybe or whatever, you remember they sent a gift to Paul through Epaphroditus. We looked at that. Epaphroditus brought it to Paul, and he almost died doing it, remember? And Paul expressed that. What Paul is saying is here is, I received this gift, guys. He's ending the letter. He's like, I received your gift, and I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. I want you to know I wasn't mad at you for not being able to support me. I wasn't upset at you. I know you love me. I know you're my partners, but I want you to know before I finish this letter that your gift, your generosity helped me to be content. He's in prison. He needed it. God supplied his need through them, and he rejoiced in the Lord. He just, he wanted them to know that. And so as we think about this, I just kind of have to, have to put that in there that I think that's an important thing. Paul mentions it. How could Paul be so content? Well, Paul had faithful partners. But here's the next thing. This is important. Paul learned from his experiences. Paul learned from his experiences. Oh, I wish I could learn from my experiences. Look at what he says. Verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. This is huge. This is, I, it's so important. Just read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. I'm so excited to begin this study tonight. We read the book of Acts and we see all the things that all these people just like you and me did in the book of Acts. And you look at Paul and you look at his life and all of the experiences, all the things that he went through. And he's writing these things to these people. Highs, lows. Look at, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 11. We've looked at this before a couple weeks ago, but I just want to put it in our hearts again. This is what he's, he's writing to this church in Corinth and there's these guys, these people, they, they kind of call them super apostles, right? And they're going around and they're getting a bunch of people to follow them and give to their ministries. And they're just, it's just, you know, they're kind of like the first health and wealth preachers, right? And they're kind of trying to make Paul look bad. These kind of teachers say, hey, you know what? If God loves you, you're going to have the best life you can have right now, man. It's gonna, if God loves you... It's going to be so awesome. And they're like, look at Paul. Look at Paul's life, man. It's just so hard, dude. 
is God really blessing him? Man, he must be doing something wrong. And this is what Paul says in response. Are, are they servants of Christ? Huh, really? He's like, did Jesus live a perfect life? Did he have just beds of roses that he laid on? He goes on, he says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. For those of you who aren't good in math, that's 39, right? Okay, had to get my calculator out for that one. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Anybody want to go on a cruise now? Holy cow. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. All right. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, the Jews, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from his false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in the cold and exposure. Anybody want to go on a missions trip with Paul? And apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety or my deep care and concern for all the churches. Wow. Paul is finishing his letter to the Philippian believers and he's saying, you know, I love you guys. I care about you. I want you to get this. When I went through all these things, all these experiences, I've been able to learn how to be content. Paul could be at peace with where he was, to be okay. Well, why? Well, because Jesus was with him. How could Paul be content? What was his secret? Well, Paul had faithful partners who were right there with him. Paul learned from his experiences. He was learning as he was living. Jesus was there, and he thrived in all of it. He could rejoice and sing in prison. We saw that. He could see chains and prisons and prison guards and go, gospel opportunities. Well, here's the next thing. How could Paul be so content? Well, Paul looked to Jesus for strength. Verse 13. Verse 13, look at it. He says, I can do all things through him, Jesus who strengthens me. <laughs> all things. What does that mean? What's that Greek word? It means all things. Pretty deep. All circumstances. What Paul is saying is contentment comes from and through Jesus. Jesus strengthens us to be content. Now, strength is key here. It's not something Paul is manufacturing. It's not something he worked out to get. Right? Paul would learn endurance. That was his response to what happened to him. Paul would learn faithfulness. 
That was his response to what happened to him, yes, okay? But what he's saying here is the strength only comes through one person and one person only, not Paul. Not Pastor Darren, not Pastor Rich, not Pastor Todd, not Pastor Nick, not Pastor Greg. Not my, you see, he's just, he's pointing us in the right direction. Paul would be like, okay, here we go again. We're getting on a boat. Odds are kind of high. We might be shipwrecked. So the next question we have is this. How can we experience contentment like Paul? Can we? I think we can. This is what it all comes down to. Paul wants his readers to get this, and you know what? We can get it as well. So let's give it a try, and let's see here. how We can experience contentment if, and let's see just a couple of things here. Here's the first one. Kind of apply these things. We can experience contentment if we grasp the impact of generosity. Okay, let's think about this for a second. Let's look at Acts 20.35. Paul is speaking here. This is what he says. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Okay, that makes your ear go, whoop, when it says, I'm going to remember what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? He himself said, it is more blessed than, blessed to, than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, we can begin walking the path to experiencing contentment. Catch this, if we step out in faith and begin to live generously. If we trust Jesus will meet all our needs, we can begin to partner with Jesus. We can begin partnering with people. You can partner with High Point Church. You can partner with the people in your row. You can partner with your family. You can partner with Alpha Women's Center. You can partner with the Engage Network. You can, there's tons of opportunities to be able to partner. You know what? When we do that, we can rejoice in the Lord because of how He will work. Because of what He will do. He takes what we give and what we sacrifice and He does His work. I'm sure I like to a lot of times put myself in the position of the first readers when the Philippians got this. And when they, they got to this section and Paul's like, man, when you were finally able to give this to me and I received it, it was the perfect thing. It was awesome. And I greatly rejoiced in God. How do you think they felt when they read that? They had to have been so pumped, so excited, so privileged. They were inspired, right? To be what? To be, I think, more generous, to keep being generous. So Paul took to heart what Jesus said. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect example of this. He laid down his life for us. Amen? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Oh, may we grasp 
the impact of generosity and may we be generous. It's going to start us toward a path. Here's the next one. We can experience contentment if we weigh the course of our life. Here's what I mean. Looking back at all that Paul had been through to this point in his life, a casual observer might question whether Paul's life had been good. Right? Um, they might think, you know what? I think Paul's finally lost it. Probably been hit a too many times in the head with a rock. He's crazy. Most people anxiously work to avoid a hard life. They dedicate themselves to build up large stockpiles so that uh, someday they can play in their self-made paradise. Humanity seeks lives of ease, don't we? We are all about making someday life pleasant and stress-free. It's like if we could only get back to the Garden of Eden. Millionaires and billionaires spend their fortune trying to build or find paradise or live forever. You know what? We do the same things. We think, not this house, but the next one. We think, not this job, the next one. We think, not this vacation, maybe the next one will be better. Or, not this marriage, maybe the next one. Paul's life lesson should give us pause. It should cause us to weigh the course of our life Good or pain-free circumstances do not create contentment. Can I say that again? Good or pain-free circumstances do not create contentment. Having abundance does not necessarily guarantee contentment. And we all need to realize this. That we can be content with little. We can be content with less. We can be content hungry. We can even be content experiencing hardship and pain. The Greek writers of Paul's time spoke of contentment being rooted in what someone had, had stockpiled, what they had personally gained in life through their own effort, or they talked a lot about luck. Paul's secret to life, the thing he figured out, was completely different. He was able to be content because of someone, Jesus Christ. Totally external. So he asks us, this passage begs us to weigh the course of our life. Am I striving? Am I resting and trusting in Christ to be my strength, to be my source, to be my comfort, my peace? Here's the next one. We can experience contentment if we walk by faith with Jesus. Most of the time, that means experiencing abundance and scarcity. Walking through life and walking through death. Tasting satisfaction and being hungry. 
but we walk through all of those with Jesus Christ. That means we need to lean into hard things. We do need to embrace all that God allows to come into our lives. Why? Why? I don't want to. That's how we experience his comfort, his refuge, his power, his mercy, his grace, his peace. Paul wrote that he could do all those things through Christ. All of them. Jesus made this very clear to his disciples in John 15. Listen to this. He says uh, in verse 15, 1 through 5, I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. We can experience contentment if we commit to walk by faith with Jesus. Paul said in Ephesians 1, we looked at it when we went through Ephesians. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, everything you and I need, everything you and I could ever hope for, the spiritual blessing we've been blessed with in Christ. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of their souls, for the forgiveness of sin are in Christ. And if you've done that this morning, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen? When we read the book of Acts and the letters of Paul, he is saying Christ had given and sacrificed everything so that believers could be given the blessings of heaven, of eternal life. Think back to what John, uh, Jesus said in John 7. He said this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's speaking of the abundant life found in Christ. Of being content in any circumstances. You know, there are people today who take the passage we're looking at and some of the ones that we've looked at, and they say, that verse means that Jesus is going to just bless your socks off so much. He's going to bless your socks off so much, you're not even going to need socks. Because you know why? You're going to be dipping your toes in sand on the seashore, just taking it easy. It's going to be your best life now. You're going to be so blessed. You're going to have the best house. You're going to have the best car. You're going to be in the highest tax tax brackets, but you know what? You don't have to worry about that because you can give to our ministry and you'll get a tax write-off. That's what people are saying today. And you know what? That is not biblical. That is not what Jesus said. That's not what Paul said. That's not Paul's experience. That wasn't Jesus' experience. Contentment. 
Contentment has nothing to do with all that stuff. It can include that, but it can also mean that we are without it. Does that make sense? Here's the last one. We can experience contentment if we live in the strength and love of Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. He goes on and he says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Things of light, things of darkness, abundant times, scarce times, life, death, health, sickness, pain, all these things. All these things. God works. And Paul continues, and it's like he's thinking when we think about this, when we consider this, when we think about the people in the past, when we think about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, when we think about Moses and Samuel and David, when we think about Jesus and his disciples and the apostles and Paul, our grandmas and grandpas, our moms and dads, our friends and even our kids, we can say this next verse. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wow. He goes on, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the question that's begging to be answered as we come to the end of this letter is this, will we strive, will our lives be full of strife, or will we be content? Right? That's the question. Do we need more, or do we have enough with Christ? Christ? 